Alright, welcome to the glossary for module 1. Starting off, we have acid deposition, which is the deposit of acid to land in water through acidic rain, snow, or sleet. Exactly what it sounds like. Acid comes down to land in water from acidic rain, snow, and sleet. Adhesion. Adhesion is the tendency of unlike molecules to cling to e together because of attractive forces. This is not cohesion, it is different molecules. It is what helps water to climb through the xylem tube when it sticks to it. It like, yeah. Biodiversity, a variety in the number and kind of species in a given area. Biodiversity is like the diversity in a biosphere, bio-ecosystem. And it is, with increased biodiversity, you have increased stability. Biogeochemical cycle. A biogeochemical cycle is a diagram representing the movement of elements and compounds between living and non-living components of an ecosystem. There are five or six of them if you count water, and it's basically how everything's connected from bio, living things, geo, the earth, and chemical, like chemical and molecular compounds. Biomagnification. Biomagnification is the buildup of harmful chemicals in higher trophic levels, top predators. Essentially, this is when something very small will eat something very poisonous, and because the next level up has to eat a lot of it to gain any energy, and the next level up has to eat a lot of that, the toxin is concentrated once you get to higher trophic levels, like bald eagles. Biosphere. Um, shit. The biosphere is all areas on Earth that can sustain life and are inhabited by organisms. Air, water, land. Those are the atmosphere, the hydrosphere, and... What is it? I don't remember. Shit. Why won't I... Anyways, as I said, there are three components of the biosphere, and that is the hydrosphere, the lithosphere, and the atmosphere. A carbon sink is a system that removes more carbon dioxide from the atmosphere than it releases into the atmosphere. So basically, these are things that supposedly store carbon because they're removing more from the atmosphere than it releases, which means that it's storing a lot of it inside of it. The biggest carbon sinks are the oceans. Chemosynthesis is the process by which certain fungi and bacteria use the energy from chemical nutrients to chemically convert Carbon inorganic into carbohydrates, organic. Some examples of these are like the things in the ocean, I think, and also, I also think that um, there are some bacteria that are involved. I think that they're the ones in the carbon cycle, assumedly, obviously, but maybe they're in the nitro, I think they're the denitrifying and nitrifying bacteria too, but. Anyways, think of those little guys eating chemical soup hot and fresh from the volcanic, um, volcanic what? Volcanic vents. Cohesion. Cohesion is the intermolecular attraction between like molecules of a substance. Water is strongly co cohesive due to the polarity of its molecules. Basically, this is the attraction between the same molecules of a substance. And water is has a very strong of of <laughs> very strong cohesivity because its molecules are polar so they each have a straight slightly negative slightly po positive charge and that causes them to stick together really really hard conservationist conservationist is someone who advocates saving and or conserving natural resources basically conservationists are people who 
are smart because but the way to remember this term specifically is that if they're talking about conserving they're the conservationist like imagine if they were saving and they were called savingationists or something but they're not they're called conservationists consumers Consumers are organisms that must obtain their food energy by eating other organisms, producers or consumers, also called heterotrophs. Basically, consumers are, like, consumers is one of the way of classifying organisms by how, like, where they fit in a food chain. So you can be a primary consumer, a secondary consumer, a tertiary consumer, even a quaternary consumer. And heterotrophs and autotrophs is how they make their energy. Hetero means they eat this themselves like other things that are equal to them. Autotrophs do their are autonomic. Yeah. You can classify by what food they eat. So herbivores, carnivores, and omnivores. So but both herbivores, carnivores, omnivores are things that eat other organisms to obtain their food. Denitrification, the process of converting nitrates, green, in the soil into nitrogen gas, orange. And nitrates are NO-3, remember, and nitrogen gas is N2. Denitrifying bacteria, a type of soil bacteria that converts nitrates, nitrates, green, in the soil into nitrogen gas, orange releasing this gas into the atmosphere. Remember nitrates are NH I mean <laughs> nitrates are NO3 minus and nitrogen gas is N2. Ecological footprint. An analysis of human consumption of natural natural resources compared to the ability of the earth to recreate them. This analysis gives an estimate of the area hectares required for humans to live based on their given lifestyles. Most North American lifestyles are not currently sustainable, according to the analyses. So this basically means this is how much of an impact we're putting on the environment because we're, we're wasting things that can't renew themselves properly and it's going to cause a lasting effect. That's why it's called an ecological footprint. Equilibrium. All living components of the biosphere, example, humans, bacteria, plants, balance in a system. The overall fluctuations in the system balance out and there's no net change over time. This is basically the state of balance that we need to um, continue living as ecosystems. All, all of us in the whole biosphere, so the whole planet, they all, you work perfectly in harmony without any change. Eurotrophication, excessive plant growth and decay caused by an excessive amount of chemical nutrients. So this is when like an algae, whatever, is created and there are too much, there's too much of this plant. So it causes it to block the sun's rays from other plants and causes problems because there's so much nutrients like phosphorus in the water that it's absorbing it and making a lot more plants, which will give short-term benefits. Everything's going to explode really fast, really well for a really short period of time. And then everything's going to crash because the animals are going to consume too much oxygen and excrete too much uh, CO2 for the photosynthesis that exists in this area. The first law of thermodynamics. Energy in a system cannot be created nor destroyed, it just changes forms. Uh, the actual correct thing was it changes forms. So this basically means that 
energy in, like, Earth is a closed system. So all the energy that's in here is the same energy that's been here forever. It's just cycling around in tons of different ways. So, yeah. Some, some of the energy is released as heat and is not able to be restored. Food chain. Food chain is a diagram or model that uses a straight line to show how food energy transfers from producers to primary consumers to higher trophic levels. Basically, food chains do not show interrelations, but show one-to-one -one relations within a specific ecosystem. And food chains are limited in length because of how much energy is diminished by the rule of 10, or that's just an estimation, oversimplification, but only less and less is available at each trophic level. So it's like if you were tossing a water bucket from person to person, someone would spill out at every person. Food web is a diagram or model that shows the connections among food chains food slash energy transfer in an ecosystem. So this is how they all interrelate and interrely and depend on each other and link together. This is any, yeah, it allows for a demonstration of the biodiversity and the stability in an ecosystem so that you know how they can make adjustments if something should happen. Heat capacity. The amount of heat energy in joules required to change the temperature of one gram of substance by one degree Celsius. Water has a high heat capacity of 4.19 joules per gram Celsius. I don't fully understand the term of heat capacity, but if I just remember, the amount of heat energy joules required to change the temperature of one gram of substance by one C. The amount of heat energy joules required to change the temperature of one gram of substance by one C. The amount of heat energy joules required to change the temperature of one gram of substance by one C. The amount of heat energy joules required to change the substance temperature of one gram of substance by one C. So I just said it four times, and coincidentally, the high heat capacity of water is 4.19 times, and um, it's measured in joules per gram Celsius, so that kind of just says all of the things right there. Um, and just know that ice is two times less uh, high heat capacity so they've got heat capacity of like two indicator indicator species species and this one wasn't on our summary thing and i don't think it was in the original glossary either an organism whose presence um absence or abundance rec reflects a specific environmental condition this is basically a species that you can look at and discover whether it's got absence presence or abundance um, to figure out how an ecosystem is doing. So this has got to be something that has very important changes that happen very fast or very slow. Limiting factor. Any biotic or abiotic factor that controls or limits the functioning of an organism. So these are like the things that affect a plant's oxygen reduction. Like the temperature, uh the amount of light, and the amount of carbon dioxide. So this is anything that can limit something like greenhouses, gases, or anything that can limit the function of an organism. Gotta be abiotic. Kidding, it can be biotic or abiotic. Nitrification, the process of converting ammonia into, which is purple, into nitrates, which is green, or nitrites, which is yellow. And remember, ammonia is NH3, nitrates is NO3 minus, and nitrites are NO2 minus. Nitrifying bacteria. A type of soil bacteria that converts ammonia, purple, into nitrates, green, and nitrites, yellow. 
And remember, ammonia is NH3, nitra nitrates are NO3 minus, and nitrates are NO2 minus. Nitrogen fixation. The process of converting nitrogen gas, which is orange, into ammonia, which is purple. And remember, nitrogen gas is N2, and ammonia is NH3. Peat. Deep layers of mosses and plant remains unable to completely decompose due to lack of oxygen in water-saturated soil. So all I remember is that there's a lot of peat in Alberta. I'm going to just ask Alexa for the definition of peat. Alexa, define peat. The name peat means rock. What? Alexa, define the word P-E-A-T. Here's something I found on the web. According to lawsociety.org.nz, Pete works by the organization collating personal, job and remuneration information. And nope, they really don't know. Thank you so much, Alexa. Stop. Anyways. Here's something I found on the web. What? According to Law Society. Alexa, shut the fuck up. Anyways. It's like, it's a, there's a lot in Alberta. <laughs> Photoautotrophs, photosynthetic producers. These are autotrophs, so primary producers, things that make their own energy that come from photosynthesis, so not chemosynthesis. Photosynthesis is the process by which plants, algae, and some kinds of bacteria use solar energy to chemically convert carbon inorganic into carbohydrates, organic, such as sugars and starches. So you know what photosynthesis is, but let's just give a recap on the formula. Water is 6H2OL plus 6CO2G plus chlorophyll and light uh, come together to make C6H12O6 aqueous plus CO2G. I don't know if cellular respiration was on here, but it is when C6H12O6 aqueous plus 6O2G results in 6CO2G plus 6H2OL and energy. Now, trophic levels defi <laughs> describes the feeding level through which matter and energy are transferred, indicates an organism orgasm, organism's position in the food chain, for example, producer, primary consumer, or secondary consumer. So the trophic levels, it's the feeding level through which matter and energy are transferred. I don't really don't know how to say it. It's where they fit in the sack up of food and energy transfer. Now I'm just going to have it auto-speak um, exactly what the module summary is for module one. And I'm gonna remind you to read everything in your notes, specifically that was, was highlighted, and listen to this over and over again, and probably uh, read the pages in the book that were highlighted past lesson two. Module 1, you should have a better idea that there are two methods by which energy is captured in the biosphere. They are the processes of photosynthesis and chemosynthesis, which you studied in Lesson 1. You will remember that photosynthesis, which captures solar energy, is the process by which approximately 98% of terrestrial producers capture energy. The other 2% of producers live in extreme environments where they have no access to solar energy, so they rely on the process of chemosynthesis. Because the majority of terrestrial producers capture solar energy, people say that it is solar energy that maintains the biosphere. What about the release of energy? Do you remember the process in which this takes place? If you are thinking of cellular respiration, you are correct. 
As you saw, in lesson two, any energy in the biofield is converted into useful chemical energy during the photosynthetic and chemosynthetic processes is also used by producers and consumers at various trophic levels. This happens through the process of cellular respiration. Cellular respiration allows organisms to convert the chemical energy into forms of energy that sustain life. Do you remember the second law of thermodynamics? It states that during any energy conversion, some energy is lost as heat, a non-usable form of energy. This heat is then radiated back into the atmosphere, where it is either released into outer space or captured by greenhouse gases and re-emitted back to Earth's surface. It is important that you realize that cellular respiration is not only a means of radiating energy back into the biosphere. This process also allows for the flow of energy through the biosphere. In lesson 2 you study food chains and food webs. This allows you to understand that animals and the food chains they form allow for the transfer or flow of energy in the biosphere. You also learned that only 10% of the energy acquired by an organism is passed on to the next trophic level until there is not enough energy to sustain another organism. In lesson 2 you also learned that animals assist in the recycling of matter in the biosphere. In lesson 3 there was an explanation that the water cycle plays a central role in the cycling of all matter. Nearly all matter is able to dissolve in water. Water is often called a universal solvent. This makes water an excellent carrier of all molecules that make up matter. You will remember that water vapor can travel long distances and, therefore, can carry molecules between ecosystems. This allows matter anywhere in the biosphere to be replenished. The other point you learned about the water cycle in lesson 3 is that the characteristic which allows it to work with all the other cycles also makes it quite vulnerable to pollution. In lesson 4 you found out that matter must cycle through both biotic and abiotic reservoirs in order to cycle in the biosphere. You should now know that biotic reservoirs are all living and recently living matter and abiotic reservoirs are all non-living components of the biosphere. You also learned that the whole point of recycling matter is for producers to obtain molecules from which they create organic compounds. The organic compounds formed from these recycled molecules include carbohydrates, proteins, and lipids, all of which are required for the survival of all living organisms. Lesson 5 focused on the relationship of biodiversity and biomagnification with energy flow and the cycling of matter in the biosphere. In Module 2 you will build on the concepts you have learned and studied in Module 1.